Listening Dog Media. Join me, David Seaman, every week on my podcast, Seaman Says, as we react to all the weekend's football action from the Premier League and beyond. Plus, I'm joined by former teammates, legends of the game and famous friends to discuss football and more. Jack Grealish turned up a bit later and he was like, uh, I was hoping you'd get me up to do She's the One. I really like She's the One. <laughs> That's a great present. <laughs> he turned up late. I can't believe he yeah. turned up late for you. Listen to the latest episode of Seaman Says on your favourite podcast platform. The Hot Mess Mum. The mum most likely to send her kids to school in regular clothes on non-school uniform day. The mum who forgets to sign the permission slip for school trips. The mum who has probably put leftovers in her kids' lunchbox on more than one occasion. But most importantly, the Hot Mess Mum is actually rocking it and is doing a far better job than even she thinks. Please welcome our Hot Mess Mums, telling it as it is, Kelly and Jenny Powell. It is the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. I'm Kelly Pegg. And I'm Jenny Powell. And I'm on my best behaviour because with us today we have, I'd say she, I was quoted for saying she gets you out of hormone hell and she does. She is the wonderful Anise Mukherjee. And I'm being very selfish here because I think she's a complete delight. She's helped a lot of women in their hormonal hells. And I said to Kelly, we have to have this beautiful woman on the show. She's beautiful inside and out and she's helped so many people. End of. Thank you very much for listening. That's the end of Hot Mess (laughs) Mongrel. So, Anise, just a quick rundown. Um, I mean, I say hormone hell, and for me, at 52, it's certainly something that crosses your mind at one time or another. Um, And also, I think I was just completely confused, felt like I wasn't getting the correct information about anything, and that the subject itself is completely taboo. Um, And do you think that we're recognizing um, hormones in general and what we do about them, also perimenopause and the menopause? Do you think we're recognizing it enough now? Because things have changed a bit. Things are changing, definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's, we're getting there. We're getting there. But I think it's not been talked about historically. It's just, as you say, completely taboo. And that's not just menopause, perimenopause. It's all sorts of hormone imbalances that women and men have problems with. And, you know, teenagers increasingly have problems with their hormones through puberty. And that, you know, you know, one of the things I always say is that having, having you know, both ends of the spectrum having perimenopause and menopause and puberty in the same household mm. isn't always easy um, and I think it's just being recognized a lot more now and I think actually social media is good because it's raising awareness but there's a bit of a disconnect between you know I think women want to, to know more about it. everyone wants to know more about hormones but actually in conventional healthcare. My specialty is is guilty as charged, actually, because endocrinologists, which is hormone specialists, you know, tend to steer clear of hormone imbalances. They tend to sort of look after people with hormone diseases, in particular things like diabetes, or if you've got hormone-driven tumours and things like that. So endocrinologists tend to do that. And but now, increasingly, a lot of GPs and, and gynaecologists are, are getting more involved with hormone imbalances and in particular menopause and perimenopause. So I think it's, we're getting there. But I mean, people come to me every day in clinic and, and they just have no idea what to do or mm. what's going on. And I think that needs to change. We're very, I would say we're very reactive rather than proactive. So I think Absolutely. we need to 
to get the information out there for women before they get into hormone imbalance hell or whatever, you know, <laughs> before they get there, prevent it. Yeah. Better than cure. So that's what, that's what I'd like. But um, I spend most of my time having to pull people, as you say, out of, yeah. out of uh, you know, having got into a problem. <laughs> so, you know, I'd like that to change. And it is interesting and quite useful to our listeners because you have sort of already mentioned that it's like a house of hormones, isn't it? We don't just specify sort of like, oh, you're in your 50s. That's when it starts. That's when the trouble starts. It, You know, for every single member in my family, 19-year-old, 12-year-old, 52-year-old, and then, of course, you mentioned men as well, we've all got our issues and, um, you know, we're, we're just not educated enough and, you know, it's not talked about. And it's interesting because most household, households are just full of hormones that need, everybody needs to be dealt with differently, don't they? And everybody needs to be sympathetic towards the fact that everyone's in their own little hormonal world. Exactly. I mean, you're absolutely right. The way our hormones affect us is different for absolutely everybody. But there is one hormone and it's been plaguing me this year in particular with all my patients Mm -hmm. that messes up all the other hormones. And that's cortisol that comes from the adrenal glands. And that's the chronic stress hormone. And that has impacted a lot of people. I mean, cortisol we're meant to have it just at times of severe stress, you know, and actually, unfortunately, this year has been severely stressful for everybody. So lots of people say they're gaining weight, they get bloating, that, you know, periods might have stopped, symptoms are worse, sleep is disrupted. And that's, that's how, that's the cortisol messing up all the other hormones. And it's not a disease, Mm -hmm. it's an imbalance. So it's really, really, you know, it's not, you can't just fix it with a pill. It, you've got to kind of understand, but understanding what's going on is helpful. And I think the problem in households, when you've got all these other hormones flying around, female hormones, male hormones, and then you get cortisol whipping them all down, it's it's difficult. I mean, I don't want to make it sound terrible because I always talk about how I work in the wonderful world of hormones. And that's because if you understand it, you can you can make changes and, and do things to kind of help help with those naughty hormones misbehaving and mm. it'd be great. And, and I mean, I know sometimes when I talk about it, I think, oh, I'm, I'm making it too complicated and I'm making it sound scary, but it shouldn't be. I want everybody to understand it so that they can, you know, take control, really. When you say take control, do you mean a lifestyle change to help that? Because I think for busy mums, obviously life can be really stressful. With COVID, it's obviously doubled, tripled, you know, it's, it's so much sort of uh, more than it would be in a normal world. Um, So is it about sort of changing lifestyle to try and slow down, to not get stressed, to do things to relieve that? I always talk about self-care and that is very important, but we can't just all only look after ourselves when we've got everyone else in the household to consider. So I always say it's about small tweaks. It's about being aware of what is happening and just making tiny changes wherever you can to, to relieve the stress. We all, I think we all know that this year's been really stressful. And, and I think the stress has got to everybody in, in the whole of, of the country, you know, male, female, all ages, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like with the everybody's working from home, the stress causes weight gain, the fridge is right there, you know, <laughs> I've heard people talk, talk about the COVID stone, because loads of people have put a stone and weight on, um, and so, you know, you can't, 
the stress does have an impact on that. But you can also not fill your fridge up quite so full. Be careful about what you put in it. So there's small little changes that you can make in several aspects. And the other thing that I'm, and I know you are, Jenny, very big on is exercise because that burns away at the stress. And when you've got kids, get them out in the in the fresh air. Yeah. Exercise with that, even if they're just you're going for a walk. You've worked with me for a while now, and you've really helped me with my perimenopausal state, um, and it's really helped in so many ways. But the one thing I wanted to ask you that I've never mentioned to you before was the fact that there's such a negativity around menopause or perimenopause that and that everything and the way it affects you is negative it's not there's nothing good about it um you know and I wake up every morning thinking oh and and even if something goes wrong or I'm in a bad mood I get blamed for everything because it's me because I must be menopausal and it's not necessarily true because I think it's something now that should be celebrated in a way. If we can sort of balance everything out, it's a good thing. You know, I think more positive. I say what I think more and I never used to do that. I used to just pretend, like just say what I think people wanted to hear. And in a way, that's a positive thing. And there are so many positive things. And do you agree with that, that, it's, that the negativity that surrounds it? it isn't necessarily right if I look at my life because I went through menopause a few years ago you know I'm so much better and happier now than I was you know 10 or 15 years when the kids were very little and work was exhausting and the kids were exhausting and I couldn't even have the you know the time you don't have as much time and actually I, I know that you, know, you, you can always never have enough time but I think there's so many things that can be positive mm. if you know, in, in menopause, there are so many positive factors. And actually, the other thing is, I look after women of all ages, and we talk about menopause and the hormone imbalance, perimenopause, but I see women today now, more than 20, 30 years ago, because I've been in this game a long time, younger women are struggling with hormones too, but we mm. don't talk about that as much. No. It's all blamed on menopause and perimenopause. And actually you take women 10 years younger and many have hormone imbalances. Q Kelly. <laughs> I mean, it, well like, young. <laughs> and I think this can be more difficult to manage. I think in menopause, actually the great thing is there's loads of research on hormone therapy. And we know, now know, you know, it's not all the same and it's not all safe, but that we know how to give it very, very safely now. And, and so in, in a way, the management of menopause is easier in younger women. It's not so easy. You know, it's, it's not quite the same because Mm. you've got hormones, but they're not balanced and frequently. So yeah. So, so Kelly to Kelly, what's your story then? Well, no, I just, I've had, uh, I was diagnosed with a bit of an issue with my thyroid, but I find it very general when you go to the GP and I still don't understand it. And apparently it's not, it's gone below the frightening meter. So I've never had to have medication for it. But ever since being diagnosed with it, I have felt far more tired than I've ever felt in my life, really. But when I say anything, I get told, well, you've got a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. So you should feel tired, you know, and my kids aren't the best sleepers, um, so my, my quality of sleep is constantly um, interrupted in the, in the night. So um, I, I guess I've accepted it. Um, and I haven't really done much in investigation in it, really, except, you know, I insist that they do blood tests every six months and I just get told it's okay. But um, yeah. And then I get all these horror stories from other people saying, you know, I've had... Um, 
they're on medication and the medication makes them fat and all sorts. But I've, they haven't, they've said I don't need it. But I guess I worry about it, but I've been told not to worry. But that's it. I don't really know because I, I think it's, I think it's really difficult for women because everything is so general when you go to a GP. So just to give you a little bit of an answer to that, you can get thyroid problems after pregnancy. So quite a lot of women get borderline thyroid problems after a pregnancy and they get told, oh, it looks okay yeah. within the range, but it may not be optimized. So, I mean, that, that this is something that hormone specialists do do. You know, we would always optimize the thyroid. We wouldn't just leave it if it's sort of averagely in the normal range. It's a bit like if you've got a very low iron level, but it's at the very bottom of the normal range and your hair's falling out because iron is important for hair quality. If you put your iron level to the top of the normal range, your hair stops falling out and you feel better. But mm. that's not, you weren't anemic necessarily. You may not have had, you know, um, a, a properly below range iron, but actually optimizing it makes a big difference. And, and with the thyroid, you can get thyroid problems that smolder on uh, and they can start after a pregnancy and that can cause fatigue. But you can also get, I think something that we describe as non-thyroidal illness. So if you have got a lot of stress or if you have got other health issues, that can also sort of make the thyroid not work quite as well. So there's a lot, it is, it is difficult. And I, I understand that it's difficult for GPs, but GPs are expected to manage an underactive thyroid or borderline thyroid levels. And they don't really know a lot about it. No. So it is so general for so many women, isn't it? I mean, it's the commonest is between the ages of 40 and 60 and in women, it is the commonest. Okay. Thyroid problems. But that was, I, I actually left the NHS uh, having had a role for 27 years last year because I'd see patients constantly and I would be able to make them better. And that's amazing. But I just always realised that it's a, it's a drop in the ocean compared to how many people are out there who aren't getting that help. So one of my aims was actually to try and help more people. And, and to do that, I couldn't do that just being swamped in an NHS service, I thought I'm going to have to sort of step out and see how I can do that on a bigger scale. So that's what I'm intending to do, really. Um, and you're doing it. Your plan is going to plan, that's for sure. And um, it's because of the results. The one thing is, do you get a lot of men coming to you then? I see more women than, than men. And that's probably reflective of the fact that men tend to, to not seek help. Men can get thyroid problems. Men can get problems with their testosterone production. Actually, stress suppresses testosterone in men. It also suppresses estrogen in women. So um, I see a lot of, of male patients who have, you know, hormone imbalances. You know, testosterone isn't quite right or some of the other hormones aren't quite right. And it's trying to fix those. But these hormone imbalances, they're not diseases. They're not, no. not like you've, it's not, you've got a tumour and you can chop it out. In fact, that's what modern healthcare is good at. If you've got a lump or a bump, we're very good at sort of doing a pathway to, to, to address that. But when things are just not quite right, and there might be lots of things, and a few blood tests look borderline or they look in range, then you just get told, computer says no. You know, and that's... Yeah. And that I think that's wrong because that's not helping people and lots of people are suffering. It's more a work in progress, isn't it? Once you're on board, it is a constant for a while of just um, reassessing, having more blood tests. And, you know, like you say, then you get something, you know, spanner thrown in the works like COVID, you know, and you're talking the C word being 
cortisol. And cortisol also, I mean, all these hormone imbalances, they, 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 you know, they affect quality of life. They, they're not necessarily, they're not going to kill you. They're just affecting your, your enjoyment of every single day. And cortisol also upsets your gut. So lots of people get gut problems and that can stop you absorbing the very important micronutrients. So going back to Kelly, especially if you have got borderline thyroid problem, uh, you know, and with the stress of lockdown and everything, you may not absorb vitamins and minerals. And vitamins and minerals are very important for energy. B vitamins and zinc and selenium and vitamin D that I always talk about uh, in terms of coronavirus, they're very important for your immune system, but they're also important for things like brain function to stop brain fog and and energy levels and that can really you know in terms of even stress if you're stressed and you've got all those symptoms it makes you more stressed and if you're stressed and you can get rid of some of those symptoms or you're not getting the flu all the time or whatever that can make you feel a lot better so simple things like that can add to that whole as you talked about the house (laughs) you know it's like the house of hormones yeah 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 um and closing the windows can can get the the house warm and that's my metaphor for sort of well-being really so yeah there's lots of things you can do and it's just sort of knowing and and you know I talk about what what I do and I see patients in clinics but what I'd like to do is get get this sort of it's not rocket science you know it's really not Mm. But if I could get GPs doing women's health management and hormone health management better, that's what I really like. So that, you know, Kelly goes to a GP and a GP goes, oh, I know what to do rather than you've got young kids. It's it's yeah. difficult. I mean, I, and I know the GP's jobs are very, very difficult, but yeah. I think that we're just creating more problems because, you know, a lot of people are struggling with symptoms and and maybe things do need to change up now <clears throat> i mean it's quite significant for this year where other major issues are popping up because of this very unusual scenario that we're in so maybe you know the sort of approach to the way we're treated and and what's what's available to us more quickly is is you know changed up yeah i think it will and i th- i think already the way that appointments are delivered and things like that are changing. So hopefully we, we have had to do a lot of, or everybody's had to do a lot yeah. of changing in everything they do, haven't they, this year? So I think normally change happens quite slowly. And I think this, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say anything good is coming out of this year, but, but yeah. the one thing that may come out of it is that people are going to be less resistant to changing the way we deliver you know, certainly in healthcare. I think particularly with women, I know from my own experience, I don't think um, that it's, I'm going to say sort of right from when you're pregnant, really. I think we're very lucky in this country in so many ways, the scans that we get and the the kind of care compared to other countries where women have nothing uh, and just carry on their pregnancy with, with no healthcare at all. So I'd hate to sound spoiled, but there's a real... Um, a lack of information for women about what pregnancy come, what comes with pregnancy for your bodies, um, particularly afterwards. And also the mental health. We hear more about postnatal now than we used to, but there's a whole host of things that we're not told, you know, and I've, I've kind of banged this drum every time we ever sort of go into this territory for women and hormones and bodies and everything, because there really isn't that kind of knowledge that's given. I, I agree with you. No, because as you say, they, they're delivering it, but they're not doing it. Mm. They haven't 
revamped what's needed. My mum was a midwife and I, I don't think that the, the antenatal care and all the parent craft classes or whatever, you know, all the things that are given now, it's not much different to, to when she was doing it. And actually the people are there delivering something. They just need to be sort of educated. The staff need to be educated on what they need to do for for the women and actually it's, it's the same for pregnancy and post-pregnancy as it is for perimenopause and menopause we need really better women's health checks and you know I'm I'm not I'm not sort of um anti the NHS I love I love the NHS no yes absolutely I'm with you they're amazing but I, I just think that this we we've had a paradigm shift you know frame shift in the way our world is and how it affects mm. us but the way we deliver healthcare until coronavirus came along has not changed for, for decades and decades and decades. Women want to be educated, you know, and, and they want to know what's going on with their bodies. And you know, Jenny's mentioned this a few times. Actually, why do we wait until we hit menopause or perimenopause to find out about it? Mm. Why aren't we, you know, I'm 39 you start sort of learning now, have access to everything now, you know, because our pe- my periods are totally different now to what they were when I was 30. I've had two kids in, in that time. I think it is changing and it takes time to, to create a change. And of course, our mother's generation, what they experienced with the world very differently to what, what we experience now. And they didn't tend to talk about it, whereas we're no. now. So I think it will change for the better, but it's just, you know, trying to keep it moving. It is so funny because I look back at my mum and she, no offence, mum, I mean, she's 88 and she's going strong, but she's absolutely useless. She never told me about periods. So I just no. went to Lou one day and went, oh, mum, I've started that thing that I think my sister's got. She never told me anything about childbirth. So she didn't recommend me go to any kind of prenatal classes whatsoever. And uh, then when it came to the menopause, I went, mum, what was yours like? Because Sometimes, you know, they say that, you know, you can, it can be quite similar if too much, well, nothing happened. I don't even remember. I don't remember a thing, nothing. I was perfectly all right. It just stopped. Yes, that's it. And I was like, wow. You know, and I think that's why I crave sort, and I always say to Kelly and with our audience that we have, you know, be informed now, be prepared, you know. It'll come by very quickly, that big five zero or that big four zero people. So, um, you know, it, it is worth um, trying to find the right people like yourself and also just to educate yourself because information is out there now, which, of course, our parents didn't have, I suppose. So it's easy, easily accessible. Um, and um, you can buy your book as well. So what's in the book? Tell us yes. a little bit about the book. That'd be great. The Complete Guide to the Menopause. Yeah, so well, it was a, it was a bit of an accident, really, the book, because I, I sort of decided that I wanted to improve particularly women's health care. And I thought, I can't do it while I'm working in, you know, swamped in the NHS. I need to sort of step back and work out how to do this. And then I got approached by a book publishing company to say, would I write a book? And I thought, well, that's a great thing. You know, I can write about menopause. I thought that's brilliant because, and preparing for menopause is important. And so I'm not aiming, the problem, so I'm going to digress now, and I do do this sometimes, but um, I don't want women to get to 50 and then go, oh, I'm in menopause. I'm feeling terrible. I need to sort it out. I want them to know what it's going to be and do as much as you can to keep your health as good as possible and to you know, take any action that's needed so that you just smooth out the whole journey. And, you know, if you have the knowledge, and I went through this myself, if you have the knowledge, it's not that hard. It's just if you don't have the knowledge and it suddenly hits you like a brick wall, it's not, you know, it can take longer to to get back on track. So I thought, brilliant, I can write a book and, you know, anyone can read that book. And because I am quite a holistic doctor and because I 
will never apologize for the fact that there's loads you can do for yourself, but you need to know your own body and you need to understand what, what, you know, your hormones are doing and what, because menopause can happen anytime from 40. It's not even classed as premature if it's over the age of 40. So, um, you know, it's not just hitting 50. It can happen to you at 45 and many women suffer at 45 and they, and they, they don't know what it is because they yeah. think it couldn't be menopause. So anyway, I wrote, I wrote it. <laughs> I didn't quite know what I was letting myself in for, but I wrote it. And then it was supposed to be published in July, but then obviously with the pandemic, it got delayed. So it is going to be published in January. So in the book, I talk about what menopause is. I set the scene because menopause is different for all of us and, and the generations that are going to go through it now compared to one or two or three generations ago, because the world is different. You know, just the 24 hour lifestyles we lead, the, the internet and everything, it is just incredibly different so I talk about that and then I basically provide a toolkit that everybody can use that will um, help you with all the different aspects of your life you know managing energy and fatigue managing you know your mood and and how you know when you get you know, brain fog or, or dark moods that can that can really make things worse or you can turn it around and make it better um, weight management um, exercise is obviously that actually exercise is the first chapter because I think that is if you've not got the exercise it's going to be difficult to get you know everything else on track because you, you're going to be regulating all your hormones positively with exercise so exercise is incredibly important I, I you know I talk about sort of everything that you can do for yourself and then I talk a little bit about employment because I think employment's a big thing I think I saw I saw a lady in clinic this morning who said to me, I've been suffering from a year. I've been told I can't have HRT because I get, I've get i had migraines, but I haven't had them for a long time. And uh, so I'm giving up my job. And she was 54. Wow. And I just said, you know, I've written a book because for you, because I don't want this to happen. Yeah. You know, it's your prime of your life. You know, you should be able to enjoy your work, you know, do wonderful things. And so that shouldn't be happening. And so if, and she'd been given quite a lot of incorrect information. Right. So anyway, she's going to be fine. And I said to her, please don't give up your job yet. Yes. <laughs> Just give me a chance and I'll get you there and then you can. Carry. It's interesting, though, because people do get, don't they? My one of my, my best friend's sister is 52. And I think she started sort of having it really bad when she was 50. And everybody had told her, don't have HRT. Don't have it. Don't have it. Don't have it. Now, she's the most positive person ever in the world. And she's a PT. She's very healthy. Anyway, she was like a different person. She was depressed. She was so low. So in the end, she ignored all these comments and she went on HRT. For her, it has worked amazing. And she is in a completely different world. You know, she's back to the bubbly person that we all knew and she's really happy. But for a long time, she was held back because of what other people were telling her, their scary stories or, you know. Well, there was there was a couple of research, big, very big research studies done 20 years ago that said, you know, HRT is basically the devil. <laughs> and and, um, and they were stopped early and there was loads of publicity. And since then, there's been, you know, it's Chinese whispers, HRT is evil, it's bad, don't have it. But since then, we've, we've seen a lot of what we call subgroup analysis. So we've looked at these data from America and from Oxford Group in the UK, you know, in huge amounts of detail. And the problem with HRT is, is the type of HRT. So if it's very synthetic, they used to give HRT that was made from pregnant horses' urine. Mm. 
that was yeah. hormone. It's just yeah. basically steroids cool. with similar effects to your hormones. Mm. And that kind of gave it a really bad name because it was a great yeah. sort of like soundbite as well, wasn't it? You mean that horse wee? Yeah. Not having that. Mm. Remember all that? Mm. I mean, it's still licensed. I don't know why, but, but uh, you know, people who yeah. actually look after you know uh, people who are involved in women's health don't use those those hormones but um those synthetic ones so the, the natural the ones that are licensed but actually identical to what your own body produces are you know basically much 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 safer and, and pretty much about as safe as you you can have with any treatment if given over a few years i mean th- there, there are data to suggest as you get older if you're in your 60s and 70s that it's you know, it's quite complicated, but the effects on your heart and blood vessels can change as you get older. If you've been on HRT for 20, 30 years and you're 80, you know, unfortunately, one in eight women will get breast cancer. So there seems to be a, a very slight increased risk in women who are given HRT for many years. But actually, you know, being overweight and not doing exercise increases your risk of breast cancer. So, so actually, if HRT helps you keep doing exercise, yeah. keeps your weight balanced, it's going to reduce your risk overall. So, so actually, it, the key is taking hormones that are the best for you and the safest for you, and, and they're available. Again, GPs often prescribe the cheap ones that are not as good. And that, oh. I want to lobby about that. I want to change that because I, still, I, I will recommend a treatment to, to a GP and they'll just go, well, we're not prescribing that. It's not on our formulary and it'll yeah. be completely licensed. I mean, I'm, I don't mm-hmm. ask anyone to prescribe anything that's dodgy, but they just will say, no, 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 we'll just give them this other one that's very synthetic. Yeah. Do you know what's really interesting and why I really wanted you to come on here, speak to Kelly and for our, our listeners to hear you is because you have a very positive attitude you're you know you you feel like you're a lobbyist you know you've got you know there's a lot to do but you want to be part of it and you want to be there and make those changes and but also you you do give people like me that feeling of it's not over the example you've just given that lady who was going to give up everything I've been there Uh, I think it was Lorraine Kelly even she I remember her saying just from a sort of like from our world she wanted to give up at one point because menopause I do get it And my heart, you know, my heart pangs when I think about the women that, you know, because of an imbalance, not a sickness, but an imbalance. And because, you know, your lifestyle's not quite right. And because, you know, you just need a couple of tweaks. Don't ruin it. Um, And don't, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, a negativity, like I said before, that just brings us down and our expectancy of of, of what we do in our lives just, just diminishes. I think it comes from just, well, you can't have babies. You can't do anything now. Yeah, it's confidence. You, it? it is. And you you turn it around, Denise. You really do. And you give us that positive attitude that we really all, we're crying out for it, to be honest. Well, and, and I, I want it to be, I want younger women like Kelly to say, yes. I can't wait. Bring it on. Bring it yeah. on. It's yeah, exactly. And I'll have more energy and I can do the things I want to do. And, and that's how, it, I, you know, that's how it should be. And that's mm. how it can be. And Getting the right, I don't want to put it onto all onto doctors. I actually want to put the responsibility onto women. But for them to take the responsibility, they have to know what to do. That mm-hmm. was, you know, one of the, the the reasons to write to write my book because it, it, you know, there is a lot of information in there of what you can do for yourself. But if you're struggling and you've tried to do everything for yourself, you need healthcare to support you with with how to, to take that forward. And it's worrying. You see, you know, nowadays, just they're talking about in the government, it's all men. It's mm-hmm. all men. Where are the women going? They're just... Where? 
Are they indeed? It's the, as, as we had the lovely Julia Graham join us, uh, the actress, and she's just amazing. And she uses this great phrase about the pale male stale brigade. And it stayed with me. I pull it out all the time when I'm talking about these sorts of issues because we're surrounded by it. And yeah. it's no different in America, in the White House. It's all the same. It's all these, you know, very white privileged um, middle-aged men. And we are crying out for some female voices for so, you know, so many issues and health, women's health being the biggest. If we just can improve women's health services in primary care and GP surgeries and get women, you know, before they've crashed and burned with mm. it hitting them and they haven't seen it coming, yeah, that's sorted. We'll have suddenly there'll be lots of women going, yeah, I can do that job. I can. Whereas actually, I suspect many women are not putting themselves forward no. for, for senior roles because mm. it's it's tough. And if you're feeling rubbish, it's you know you're competing against a man who doesn't go through menopause. They don't have yeah. They there's something called andropause which people talk about, but that's generally much older men. They don't go through a menopause, so they're they've got mm. an, an unfair advantage. They have, haven't they? Yeah, we absolutely. Have women's health support so that we. Yeah. And also make the whole thing sexy, you know, because I think what we get sort of this tag of you're old, you know, and it's that's not happening. Hormonal. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm changing that. We're going to change all this. Yeah. And we've got to because often, you know, it's more men in power than women and they don't find women of a certain age sexy or attractive. You know, they've used their womb. They've now they're in a certain (laughs) sort of league of their, well, if we don't want you, we want some young thing or, or whatever we need to change that and and by having more women in power and by changing the perception of things like the menopause and when we talk about menopause negatively on you know the internet and on social media that doesn't mm. help and yeah, did you see Nigella Lawson I mean she doesn't make me think oh old lady exactly with a lot more experience mm. and a lot more should have confidence um you've you've run been and gone and done it all and uh you know you've almost like earned the, the next the latter half to make the most of all that experience and to rock it and um, I'm feeling such positive vibes. I might just have to go for a run in my bikini. Oh, no, it's January. <laughs> well, I'm buying the book in January. I can't wait to, to read it, Anise, yeah. you know, and start educating myself a bit more. And I might be booking you for to investigate my thyroid as well, I think, yeah. in the new year. It's a wonder. Yeah. So really, to sum up, you know, we've got to take control, I think. That's exactly what you're doing, Anise. And um, I think we just need the tools and the knowledge and then we can do it and crack on um, and get all the younger people or the younger women or the younger men or the teenagers to to actually have a positive um, outlook on on sort of the latter years or that second half of your life and, and look forward to it and know that, you know, there's a whole new adventure awaiting on the other side of 50. Well, thank you. Anita. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Lovely to meet you. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.